0: For him as he preaches tonight. And I'll tell you, if you're missing the Sunday night services, Brother Andrew's preaching on the preaching of Jesus through the Gospels. And I'll tell you, he is, he is doing a fine job. And I enjoy so very much uh, him preaching. My sister, I talked with her yesterday, and she said, I've been watching Andrew on Sunday night. I said, Have you been watching Sunday morning? She said, no, I know you're preaching. (laughs) And she said, he's better than you and Gene Jr. put together. So uh, I don't know if that uh, is a recommendation or not, but uh, you'll enjoy the Sunday evening services and I wish you'd be here tonight. Take the ball game. I don't know. They always start it just about the time the church is starting. Starts at seven thirty, isn't that right? <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, Brother Odell. What time does it start? <laughs> Who seven thirty? Is that what somebody said? Yeah. Okay, Terry, did you say that? <laughs> okay. Well. We'll be done by then if you'll come tonight. <laughs> but you can tape it just in case you missed the first half or something, all right? If you join me this morning in the book of Mark, again, Mark chapter number 12, and we'd like to welcome all of you who have joined us by way of live stream, wherever you are, and those of you who have joined us by radio around the world, we're so glad that you've joined us today. And we hope that you enjoy the services. We are studying in the book of Mark, and I'm trying to preach through the book of Mark. And next week now, we'll start on the Olivet Discourse, talking about the second coming and the destruction of the temple and uh, the uh, coming of the Lord Jesus and uh, We'll talk about the rapture. We'll talk about the second coming. We'll talk about the tribulation, the great tribulation period, because Mark chapter 13 begins to uh, cover those areas, and so we'll be probably in the book of Mark chapter 13 for a few weeks as we try to study this thing of the second coming, what's going on in Israel today, and did the Palestinians ever have a country of their own? Can they govern themselves? Will democracy work with tribal society? Will will uh, democracy work among those who God describes as being wild men? who lives among the other nations and not a nation of their own. Is there something about that desert blooming like a rose? Uh, We'll talk about that in Sunday morning services throughout the next few weeks. But today I'd like to talk to you about the significance of the insignificant. Let's begin reading in verse number 38 of chapter 12 of the book of Mark. And I do hope that if you do not have a Bible, there's one there in the pew. And if it don't have somebody's name in it, you're free to take that home with you. The Bible says in verse number 38 of Mark chapter number 12, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes. Which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at the feast, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Now notice how they cast it in, not what they cast in. He noticed how. In the treasury room in the temple, it was a small room but had boxes metal boxes all around the room and on each box was designated what the offering were to be. At the top of the boxes was great metal horns that protruded from the box and as people walked by they threw their coins in the horns and the larger the coin the louder the jingle. And he noticed how, not how much, how they cast it in. This morning, when you put your offering in the plate, how was your heart? And if you didn't put anything in, I know about your heart. Boy, you can just mention money in a Baptist church and a chill comes over the whole service. You ever notice that? (laughs) I hate to talk about money. It just hurts me to talk about money. I preach a lot of stewardship conferences of churches that cannot pay and handle their budget. Churches who are cutting the support to missionaries, churches that are cutting their staff because their offerings does not uh, does not uh, pay the bills. I'm so fortunate to pastor a church where this year our offerings will be greater than any year previously. And God... To God be the glory for that. And I just happened to stumble up on these verses. It just come in succession. You're saying to yourself, you knew I was coming and you've been looking at the tithing record. It's the only reason you're preaching this sermon. With that attitude, it won't help you if I preach ten sermons on giving. If God does not do something in your heart, you ought to keep your money. Because it's not going to do any good here or there if you give it for the wrong reason. See, we don't need your money. Ain't that nice? May I say that again? We do not need your money. We do not depend on your offering. We depend on God. And those who love God do not need preached to. So, verse 42, and there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in. Have you ever wondered why she threw it in? He's watching how they give. She intentionally, voluntarily, lovingly threw her two mites in. Didn't make much of a jingle through the horn. The lightest coins that the Romans had, just two mites, two fifths of one penny in our money. Two fifths of our money, two fifths of a penny, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasure. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had. Even all her living. Somebody said that money talks. I have no idea about that. One fella said, My money talks, it's always saying goodbye. Money has influence and it really does talk. Crusty old man walked into the bank, walked up to the counter and asked one of the ladies there, said, uh, I would like to start an account, a checking account. The teller said, I beg your pardon, sir, I must have understood you what did you say his dress his demeanor was speaking louder than his words and he said to the lady ma'am I would like to start a checking account and she rudely listen you are, are you hard of hearing I said I want to open a checking account She said, I'm very sorry, sir, but we do not tolerate that kind of behavior in this bank. So she went and got the manager. And they came back loaded for bear to kick the old crusty, ill-dressed man out of the bank. And the manager said to the bank, uh, to the old man, said, Sir, I'm the manager of the bank. What seems to be your problem? The old man said, well... Sir, I just won $50 million in the lottery and I wanted to start a checking account. The manager said, I see, and this witch is giving you a hard time. (laughs) I notice in verse 38 the word, beware. Beware. He's in the temple. Last week, the Sanhedrin had sent their best attorney, their racehorse Haynes, if you please, to try to trick Jesus in his words, and if they can get our Lord to say something detrimental to the law then they'll have him and they can accuse him and they can evict him and they can kill him and that's their intent. And so the scribe comes in verse 28, the Bible says, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceived that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him which is the first commandment of all. And you remember, he said, the first commandment is, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Until you get settled in your heart, who's God in your life, you're never going to have any victory in your life. See, God don't want to be a God on Sunday, then kicked out Sunday night and brought back in on Sunday morning early. And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy strength, and all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. And the young attorney, the brilliant uh, attorney, the educated, the know it all kind of guy said, Lord, you've spoken well. And you remember last week I preached on this close but no cigar. And Jesus looked at this attorney, this scribe, and said, Almost thou art near, thou art close to the kingdom of God. I'm afraid we've got a lot of members that has head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. You say, how do you tell? Look at your checkbook. You prove the sincerity of your love. What did Paul say? By what? Uh, it cut quite. By what? Kind of hurts to even say it when you're not doing it, right? By your what? You prove the sincerity of your love by your what? It, it's hard, ain't it? it? Just If you're not giving, it's kind of hard to say. You notice that? Hard to smile, too, when the preacher's smiling back, right? (laughs) See, I don't need to go look at the records. I look at your face. Because your face reveals your heart. And Jesus was standing in the corner in the treasury room watching how they gave. But he said, first of all, beware of the scribes. Beware. And he gives us five things we ought to beware of. Notice if you would say, beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing. You can tell people who they are, what they are, by what they wear. Beware of scribes that walk around in long robes, being pretentious and pretending to be something that they're not because their clothing spoke volumes. They were the elite. They were wearing name brand clothes. I never shall forget when Andrew and Mandy, when Air Jordans came out, we went to Walmart and bought Air Ho- Hogwalls sir. What I call them, Andrew? Hedgehogs. hedgehogs. And, uh, you know, I'm sure my kids wore the hedgehogs till they got to school and then they pulled them off and went barefooted to class. Name brands i got to have name brands because I believe that clothing makes the man. No, clothing reveals the man. Beware, Jesus said, of people who dress to be seen. Be careful of those folks who wear those clothes to... uh, Speak of extravagance. See, clothing really tells us who we are. You say, preacher, why do you wear a suit to church? Because I got one. Now, if I didn't have one, I'd wear the best I had to honor and reverence God. The tie does not make the man. The man makes the tie. The clothing does not make the man, the man makes the clothing. And Jesus said, beware. Did he not say beware of the scribes who walk around in long clothing? And if it's long, guess what? It's too long to work in, so they are the leader type individuals. They will not work. They do not have to work because of the clothing they wear speaks of their success And their education. And the renowned personality. And who they are. Beware of people. Who tried to impress you. With what they wear. We are not to dress extravagant. We are not to dress revealing. Clothes reveal the heart. You say, Preacher, it's just a style. I can't buy anything long enough. Buy two of them and sew it together. <laughs> Every once in a while, Coles has a sale. <laughs> two for one. Amen. Sew them together. You say, Preacher, I can't find anything high enough. Then stoop when you put it on. I don't want to see Amen. what your husband only has a right to see. Amen. 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 And you men who want to wear shorts to church, I don't want to see your stumpy, ugly, hairy legs. <laughs> Kiver them up. You say, I ain't got anything but shorts. Sew so, two of them together. <laughs> Clothing reveals. Clothing reveals your heart. Beware of folk who dress pretentiously and try to impress you. Secondly, beware of the scribes who go in long clothing and love salutation in the marketplace. Beware of those who love the titles for the wrong reason. Titles for the wrong reason. The Bible talks about such one, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. But he that bases himself, he shall be exalted. Be careful of people who try to be exalted. Notice in the third place, be careful and beware of those who have the chief seats in the synagogue and the uppermost rooms of the feast. They that seek high positions for the wrong reason. Beware of those who do deeds for the wrong reason. Who give expecting to get. Who do favors to you saying you owe me one. Be careful of that kind of folk. I found it's better to give stuff away than it is to try to sell it and never get your money. See, I don't sell stuff. I give stuff away. You know why? Because it was given to me. Amen. Everything I got, God give it to me. Amen. You say, I want your truck right after service. Payment books in the glove compartment. <laughs> you still love me? Amen. We need to beware of these things. And I, I did not want to miss that. But I notice we go from a lawyer in your text lawyer to a lady a lawyer beware of lawyers beware of them who tries to impress you with their clothing beware of them who does everything for position power and prestige be careful of them beware of them who pray long prayers Potentious prayers have you ever been in a church service oh you have I already tell you have And you ask somebody to close it. And you come back after about 30 minutes and that sucker's still trying to find the end of that prayer. Long, pretentious prayers. You know, it's most of the time I don't ask anybody to close prayer. I close in prayer. Because I don't need anybody catching up on their prayer life at the closing of our prayer. You ever notice they turn up by father, or Reba born, and Joe born, and all them born boys—long, pretentious, hypocritical hey, prayers. Beware that bunch. You'll impress God with all your monotone and Tony tones and tones and iTunes. Come on now, say amen. Amen. You say, are you going to start preaching? Right now. Our text goes from a lawyer to a lady. Yeah, it does. Notice in your text, if you would, please, there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites. Our text quickly... Runs from a lawyer, a successful, uh, uh, well-dressed, long-robed individual who talked uh, with an educational tone. It goes from a lawyer to a poor widow lady. And I wonder why our Lord did that. He saw a teaching moment, and He called in the text. Look at, and He called the disciples to himself. And he pointed his disciples not to the long throngs of people who have lined up to put their offering in the offering room, not to all the throngs of the people, not the huge clanging of the rich man's offering, but he said, look at that poor widow lady. Quite a switch from a lawyer to a lady. Amen. Kind of a switch from someone we are to beware of, but someone we are to copy, if you please. We are not to copy the pretentious, the religious, the educated, the high and mighty, the noble. We are not to copy them. He said, "Look at that." Certain poor widow lady. There must be a lesson here for us. Come on now. It's only, I got 15 minutes. If you'll say amen every once in a while, it'll encourage me and I'll get right along with it. (laughs) But now you sit there dead eyed and look like you swallowed something that you can't get out of. I might be here a while. Notice, if you would please, this lady, poor, widow, and in verse 43, the Bible says, And he called unto him his disciples, those who had followed him for three and a half years, the future church in the world. The ones to whom the commission is given to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The the fundamentals, if you please. The, The pillars of the church. He calls them all together and says, I've got somebody I want you to look at. A poor, a certain poor widow She's not dramatic, Dramatic. she's not revolutionary, and she's not significant. She worships without recognition, if you please. Just another blurry figure in the crowd, but yet it's a fateful blur. Her golden life is to be noticed... Not by man, but by God. Her significance, her person, her offering could be described by one word tiny, small, insignificant. We hate tiny. In the world in which we live, in the commercialization of everything in the world, our gold is big. We think we've got a big God, and we do. But have you ever just got right down to it? How big was Jesus' ministry? He healed a few. He raised one from the dead. He calmed the waters once or twice. He shunned the crowds. He was not crowd orientated. You see, in our estimation, Jesus had a very tiny ministry. Didn't cover a lot of territory. Didn't affect a lot of men. But when he died and raised rose again, he changed the whole world. Tiny. We hate the word tiny. Insignificant. That's me. I'm just one tiny member of a big church. What can I do? What significance? Preacher never comes to see me. Preacher never goes to see anybody. You want to see the preacher, come over to my house. It be a lot easier than me visiting 2,000, 3,000 church members. If you're sick, I'll be there. If you die, I'll be there. When we bury you, I'll be there. And when you're raised again, I'll be there. <laughs> Are you with me now? Amen. From a lawyer to a lady. By the way, God chooses the tiny over the large most generally. I bet some of you right here has evaluated your membership in our church as tiny Small, insignificant. Did you know that's the kind of people God uses? God don't use Goliaths. He uses Davids. Are you listening? Hell, I, I don't have much. You got two mites? Well, I don't have the right kind of clothes. Jesus said, you don't want to wear them if you had them. Would you let one word sink down real deep? Tiny. Just small. Yeah. Isn't it amazing God chose Gideon and 300 to defeat the Midianites of thousands. Just tiny. She's insignificant. Among all the people She's the least one that anybody would have conversation with. She is a certain. You know what certain means? Certain. It's just a, it's an unusual kind of word. Certain. It means a definite one that is not named. She's not in the temple by chance. She's not in the scripture by chance. She didn't get up and just happen to go to church. You know, like some of you did. Sometimes you happen to stay home. Other times you happen to come to church. Because of this. But she was at church certain one, the Bible says. God uses the small and insignificant, like Elijah, over 850 prophets of Baal. Goes almost without notice. Little... If most of us would concentrate on the tiny successes instead of having our goals huge and mighty we probably wouldn't have near as many breakdowns. Daily successes. Tiny successes. Christianity is not made up one great big huge miracle. Christianity is made up of tiny, daily successes along the way. You say, preacher, I, I just don't do anything but fail. Well, now you really will learn to appreciate it when you do succeed. Just a lady, Christianity is about the little touches like the angel who touched Elijah, about tiny words of encouragement. Have you spoken to anyone recently about encouraging them? Like, "I thought you was handsome when you had hair." Now I think you excel all of that. Little acts of service and sacrifice. That's what this lady's all about. The faithfulness, notice, of thought, word, and deed. Faithfulness. Little faithfulness. Faithfulness this morning. Faithful to sing when we're singing praises to God. Faithful to pray when we bow our heads to pray. Faithful to give when the offering plate goes by. Faithful in thought, word, and deed. Tiny stuff. You know, tiny stuff. But all the walk on the water. You're an idiot. That don't work no more. So how do you know? I've tried it. Well, I want to see God do big, big things. He will when we take care of the tiny things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. In your home and in your relationship with each other, it's not the big things that's always causing difficulty. It's the small things. Like who drank the chocolate milk? Ain't that whites there to drink? <laughs> You're not supposed to use buttermilk and cornbread. I put cornbread in buttermilk. They sell buttermilk down at the store every day small, tiny. Well, I want Brother Jim's job. He'd be glad to give it to you. <laughs> but Jim came to be Jim. One day at a time. One staff meeting at a time. One little example at a time. Jim will ask, Preacher, what do you think about this? How about this? How about, this? How about this? You don't be a Jim until you've first been a certain poor widow who is faithful with what she had. If God can't trust you with one hundred dollars, then why should He give you a thousand dollars? Be sure your sins will find you out. and so for just a minute, you ain't going to believe this, but I'm going to be done for twelve. <laughs> that way you'll come back tonight. I want to talk to you. Just a minute about three things. Now listen. The Lord, the lady, and the loyal. The Lord, the loyal, and the lady. Think about that a minute. The Lord, the loyal, and the lady. In that little text, we'll find the Lord, his attitude toward us. His attitude toward what we do with that which he has given us. Is the Lord still looking when we give? Do we hold our high so it'll jingle when it hits the plate? Of course, now we got paper money and they fly to the plate. (laughs) <laughs> Come on now. Don't be angry at me, okay? Don't be one of those who, well, I know he he don't know my, my situation. Uh, he just don't know. Uh, I, you see, uh, I was reading a story about some of them know-it-all guys. Mind me, if the gentleman wandering around in the campus of a college looking for the library. He sees a student and he walks up to the student and, Excuse me, young man, would you be good enough to tell me where the library is at? The young man looked at him and was offended. He said, Sir, on the campus of this college, we do not a sentence with a preposition. The man apologized and said, Pardon me, please. May I, refu- may I, re- uh, may I uh, uh, rephrase my question? Would you be good enough to tell me where the library is at, you jerk? <laughs> now, don't look at me like you know everything. Talking about the tiny. Talking about the insignificant. Talking about those who puts positions on people. If you walk to the parking lot, you'll notice there's not one that says pastor. Not a, not a parking space says pastor. If I want to park in place, I should get here before you do. Amen. And if I get here after you, you should bring a cart and wheel me to the office. <laughs> now listen, the Lord, the loyal, and the lady. Notice in your text, if you would please, the Bible is very plain. And it says in verse 41, the Bible says, verse 41, oh, I'm still in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, wrong book. Verse 41, it says, and Jesus set over against the treasury and beheld how the people, how the people, Cast money, now I know, money is an ugly word in a Baptist church. You're not supposed to talk about money. Especially on Sunday morning, you're not supposed to mention money. A few, every time you come to church, that's all the talk about is money. Might be all that some folks are thinking about. But in verse 41, notice, Jesus is interested in our giving. Verse 41, the Bible said, And there was a certain, or he was standing off to the side. He had already given his offering. He had already put his in the horn. And he was behold how the people cast their money in. He was interested in her giving. He was interested in everybody's giving because he stood off to the side, unnoticed, not making a scene, just watching how they gave their money. Is it possible he's still watching? He was interested in how they gave but he was also interested in those who failed to give. Now why would he be interested in those who failed to give? Because of the law of the harvest. He that sows sparingly. How shall they reap? Reap sparingly. What you put in the offering today is seed... For him to bless. Is anybody here, does anybody here believe that? Whatsoever man sow, that shall he reap. How many folk believe that? Amen. And it broke our Lord's heart to see people. Who were not given. Who he knew would not have it to give next week. Because they didn't sow anything this week. Our Lord was interested in how we gave. He's interested in. Why we don't give and he's interested in our attitudes and motives as to why we give. Verse 44, she hath cast in all that she had, even all her living. Some of you have done that Sunday after Sunday. And he praised her for her generosity to her back, not to her face. No place did Jesus ever come in or praise this woman to her face. He praised her to her back. But for some unknown reason, this little, certain, poor, widow lady has found her way into two books of the Bible, Luke and Mark. And 2,000 plus years from the day she cast her two mites in, there are still people around the world praising her and using her for an example of trusting God. Just a tiny lady. 2,000 years down the road. Still being used as an example of how the Lord looks and is interested in our giving because our heart is revealed in our giving. The Lord. I'm glad he's watching, aren't you? Verse 41. I notice the loyal. Verse 41, the Bible said, Look at this, look at this. And over against the treasury, and he built, behold, beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And that they were rich cast in much. He is not rebuking the rich, he is not rebuking wealth. In fact, He praises those who were faithful, who were rich, who did not use their money as an excuse to miss church. They were there. They were in line. They were faithful to put the money where it goes, to love the Lord. I'm glad of that. Now I'll tell you something. It wasn't for about two or three or four years wealthy folk in our church we'd be like all the other churches having to cut missionaries God does not condemn and God, God does not reprove God praises those who are loyal and faithful to the work of God I got news for you if God were to die We could not live on what poor folk put in the offering plate. God multiplies what is put in. But I thank God that God has given some people the ability to be successful. And that they still love the Lord. And by the way, that is one way of serving the Lord. I wouldn't mind being rich myself. You say, would you tithe on it? Sure. You said, what if you run the lottery? That'd be a miracle. I've never bought a ticket. <laughs> so I've got all the money I've saved from buying tickets for the lottery. Our church could not exist without the loyal Without the faithful. And when they're praised. It'll be by God. But now notice the lady I close. The loyal. The Lord. And lady. I don't know why. Jesus was so descriptive. But he said a certain. Poor. Widow. Certain, a definite individual for a definite purpose without a name. That's what the dictionary says about certain. Definite. Not just anyone. A definite lady. Picked out in the eons of eternity. God knew. She was going to church before she ever got up that morning. Can you say man? God knew about her two mites, and that's all that she had. Like the widow who sustained Elijah with just a few sticks and a cake, the same God involved herself in that offering. A certain, and then he says poor, poor. I know something about being poor. Do you know something about being poor? Uh, We, My family was poor, but we really didn't know it. Because everybody around us was just as poor as we were. We grew and caught, catched and trapped everything we ate. You're looking at Davy Crockett number two. (laughs) If I had any money as a kid, I got money from trapping muskrats and other animals and sold the hides. It's difficult to go to school the morning after you have skint a skunk for $5. That's a good way to go back home. That is an excused absence in any man's book. That worked even better than the goat eating my homework. That one didn't fly too well. A certain poor poor. In America, we don't know too much about poverty. If we walk through our parking lot today, uh, we are well healed when it comes to automobiles. Most of us live in a home with forced air conditioning. Most of us throw more food away than this lady ever had in her lifetime. Jesus could tell she was poor because her dress revealed her status. And Jesus called his disciples for a teaching moment and pointed out a certain poor widow. Widow. Her provider has died. Her protector has died. Her security is gone. The breadwinner of the home is gone. He's dead. She is a widow. A certain. Poor. A tiny, insignificant lady. In the line that were making their way past the horns that protruded from those steel. Containers, small. Probably the least important in all the temple. Just small, you know, like a teenager. Small, like a widowed lady. Small in education. Just tiny. But when she went by the treasury boxes, our Lord saw she was completely unselfish. Completely unselfish. Have you ever had a a Baptist disagreement between your wife or your husband? I'll guarantee, if you've ever had a discussion, it's always around selfishness. Did you write a check out of my checkbook? Have you got my credit card? Would you kick your dog off the couch? <laughs> Jesus saw one thing about this lady, not a success. Not her own positions in society. But Jesus told the disciples, look at her. She's completely unselfish because she cast in all. Is that what your Bible said? How many believe the Bible here? All that she had. And since she didn't have anything left, She was completely dependent upon whom? Have you ever been completely dependent on Him? And seen Him in a miraculous way come through? That's shouting time. That's hallelujah time. Getting in the middle of the bed, barefooted, jumping straight up and down, singing hallelujah to the Lamb. Completely unselfish. She demonstrated total faith in God when she gave it all. And she gave it all to the Lord Jesus. She had the mind of Christ, because that's exactly what he did. He came to Calvary. And gave it all. And last may I say this. She gave all she had. Because probably that's the only way she could serve the Lord. Domestically she's widowed and has no husband. Evidently, she's very poor, and her dress is atrocious. I do not know about her health. I do not know about her education. But probably, giving was the only way she could serve the Lord. So she gave it all. You say, Preacher, I can't go soul winning. And we'll take an offering. Preacher, I want to serve the Lord, but I don't know what to do. Start with giving. Try it. You'll like it. (laughs) Can I please close with this? The significance... Of the insignificant. You are important to God. You may not be able to wear a botany 500. You may not be able to wear 500 dollar lizard shoes. But God loves you in tennis shoes. Even if they are Walmart hedgehogs. But God loves you in good suits too. He loves the loyal and he loves the lady, the poor. Just tiny insignificant things sometimes prove to be very valuable. During the last months of World War II, when I say that, you know this is the closing deal. The British conducted daily bombing raids over Germany and they had fighter planes, fighter planes that protected them as these bombers made their way. In one particular bombing raid, out of seemingly nowhere, the German fighter planes were sighted. And the British planes, they begin to do what is called dogfighting, I think. And somehow or another, in all the commotion, one bomber got separated from the rest. And as they making their way back to England, out of the clouds appeared a German fighter plane. The men on the bomber knew that they were just set in duck, no defense. And they saw the German plane come out of the clouds and closer and closer and closer and closer it got. And as it got closer, the British men in the bomber became anxious. And you can imagine just waiting, just looking and waiting, knowing that any moment you're going to be absolutely annihilated in the air. And suddenly as the plane got closer, they heard the the racking of the of the gun. And they heard it rack three times. Bow 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 five times. And five times the bullet pregnated the airplane. And all of them were just waiting for the bullets to explode and the plane go up in flames. But to their ultimate surprise, the crew made it back to England. They were absolutely bewildered why they made it. A day or two later, one of the mechanics brought five bullets that they'd found in the fuel tank. closer inspection the pilot of the plane opened the bullet and instead of having powder in it there was a small note wrapped up in paper and he opened the paper and it said we are five Polish prisoners of war Our job is to make ammunition for the Germans. And when the guards are not looking, we don't put powder in the bullets. We put a note. It said, please pray for five Polish prisoners. Just tiny stuff. Five bullets out of millions that were made. Didn't mean a thing to us. But it meant everything in the world. To a crew on a British bomber. Yeah, you're important. Yeah. You're not insignificant. Even the insignificant are significant to God. Our Father, today we love you and we thank you so very much that you can take just a handful of clay and make an individual